It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. podcast my name is ct mcmanus and for the next two hours it's my job to take your mind off the craziness of the world out there get it refocused in on some good old-fashioned rock and roll welcome to monday and welcome to episode 146 guys we have a great show for you this evening we'll be joined momentarily by the band zenora one of the hottest young bands out there man i'm telling you if you haven't had a chance to check these boys out you gotta make it a point to 
they are, in my mind, the sky's the limit for these guys, man. I can't see anything stopping them, anything holding them back. They have the stage presence. They have the sound. They have it all. And uh, really, really worth checking out. We'll be talking to them guys soon. And then at the top of the 7 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Jason and Aaron from uh, Sports and Metal, another podcast that we're going to give a little shout-out to. Uh, They do things a little bit different. They combine the music and the sports aspect. So that'll be interesting to hear from those guys as well. And uh, my favorite part of the whole thing is Jason's last name, his legit name is Jason Voorhees. So uh, it was a little fun talking to him as well. So fresh off Jam on the Dam, if any of you guys made it out, you know it was a great day to be had, man. Uh, we were a little concerned with the re- with the weather. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, the weather stayed dry for the most part. Uh, the show was fantastic. All the bands involved. Big shout out and a big thank you for uh, for welcoming welcoming me out to Friends of Victory Lake and Jim Deputy and Chris Tisdale for inviting me out, guys. It was a great time. I believe there was a a good attendance and uh, really worthwhile uh, program, guys. So. We're going to go ahead and forward ourselves into the featured song of the week. We're going back a little ways, man. We're going back into the early 80s. Uh, this is a band that was in the local area. Really can, really wondering if you guys can give me an idea of who you think this is. Phone number is 914-338-1885. If you can guess who this is, even if you can guess the singer of this, especially the singer, you'll win a Rock and Roll Union prize pack. Once again, that phone number is 914-338-1885. And here we go. Take a listen.
wrapped around your finger That's where you will find And I can't remember I was left behind I wrapped around your finger Like I was before But you can't remember I'm at your door But I can't see the one who did
That is the new tantric living here without you. Big shout out to my brothers, Sebastian and Jaron out there on the road, man. They're still wrapping it up on the uh, tantric tour. And uh, that song I played before, if you guys didn't get the chance to hear it, I'll uh, let you know the name of the band and the song. The band's name is Alibi. They were ba- they're a big uh, original band back in the day, talking about the galaxy and those time periods. And the name of the song was Carousel. You could tell me who the singer of Alibi was back in those days. You'll, I'll go ahead and give you the prize pack. Phone number here is 914-338-1885. Once again, that number is 914-338-1885. If you have anything else you want to discuss or just want to touch in, man, we're here. Once again, that number is 914-338-1885. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back. We'll be, be being joined by Zenora shortly. Don't go anywhere. Hey, this is the Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Since 2018, there's only been one program that brings you artists from around the world, both big and small, brings you the best in local talent, and hosts live events. Rock and Roll Union is all of that and more. With C.T. McManus, The Lovely D, and new co-host Psycho Steve Preston, you're sure to get everything you need. So tune in Mondays at 6 p.m. for your one-stop shop for all things rock and roll. Rock and Roll Union, music worth fighting for. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off a uh, building. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with history, the voice of choice, and killer can resonate. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live 
on VOCNation.com or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.
little Symphony X for you guys there. Take a piece. Guys, that was a really, really amazing piece of music that came out a while back. But that was off the latest Symphony X album. I hear that they're currently in the studio recording something else now. And uh, really, really waiting to see what comes of that. But we're going to go ahead and look towards our next guest, guys. They'll be calling in momentarily. These guys I have seen multiple times, and it's just crazy to me that they've never been on the show yet. Really excited to bring them on, talk to the guys, man. They really, really rip it up. I've seen them multiple times, and uh, just a great group of guys, man. Really down to earth, humble but working their ass off. We're going to go ahead and listen to one of our tunes. This is going way back, but this is Things Gotta Change.
that was Things Gotta Change by the new hottest group out there, man. This is Zenora, and I'm so glad to bring these boys onto the show. Uh, I'd like to know, who do I have on the line right now? I got two separate numbers on the line. Who who we got with us? Zenora! What's up, guys? What's up? So, are you guys calling from different different numbers? No, we're all together right now. All right, because I got somebody else on the line. You got you got me. It's Dave. It's Dave CC. How you doing? Who is it? Oh, hey, Dave. It's Dave. Yeah, I'm 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 going on mute. All right. So, guys, uh, you know, I was saying right before I brought you guys on. Um, that it's crazy that you guys are just finally coming on the show. I feel like you guys should have been on here a long time ago. We, we've seen each other m- numerous times. How's things going with you guys? Really good, man. We've been playing a bunch of shows, especially recently. We, you know, we've been working really hard, writing new tunes and stuff. So we, we, we got this crazy gig coming up in October at Masquerade Fest, and we've been working really hard towards that, you know, and building the, the energy up to release it then. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that masquerade. I'll be running uh, media backstage. Really looking forward to that. And wanted to ask you, Dylan, that uh, you know I've talked to your your dad a bunch of times. Uh, last was at PT's out in uh, Pennsville. I'm not sure if that's Corny's Point, Pennsville area, but you guys had a show out there. And I uh, got into talking to your dad, and he said that you've been playing music since you were like four years old. Yeah. Wow. Now, what did you start on? What, what were your, like, earliest memories as far as starting music? Watching my grandfather play Johnny Cash, man. Wabash Cannonball in specific. I remember him playing that, and I was just like, cool. Music is awesome, and rock and roll is lit. And then I started banging on his piano, and I, my parents bought me a drum kit. So we had piano at the house, too, and I, I liked Neil Peart back when I was that. I still like him now, even though, you know. It's a shame what happened to him, but it was just one of the first like inspirations on me musically. Johnny Cash and Neil Peart, and I started playing drums, and uh, it all went downhill from there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the other the other members of this band, we have Johnny Kelly Kiefer. Um, uh, or I'm not sure if it's Kiefer or Kiefer. It's Kiefer. Kiefer, sorry about that. And uh, Nick and Daniel Shoot, man. Uh, you guys, now, just for our listeners, could you give us an idea how old you guys are? Because I know you're you're really young. I'm Nick Shoot. I'm 23 years old. I'm John. I'm 23. I'm Dan. I'm 21. I'm Dylan. I'm 20. Yeah, these guys are real young, man. And I'm telling you, uh, you guys, what what creates your persona? What would you say? If you somebody was to see you guys on the street and they didn't know anything about your band, how would you describe Zenora? Loud, fun, and energetic. What about the rest of you guys? What do you think? Like being punched in the face by rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. And so, we just love music, you know? We're uh, kind of nerds for music, and we all come from different, you know... Um, genres and stuff like that so i think we kind of embody that kind of rock and roll musical outlook for sure you, we wouldn't need to tell somebody for them to be able to tell that we're in a rock band if they saw us all together honestly 
<laughs> yeah, that, I agree with that. Now, with uh, with your different personas, like your different interests and your different sound, and especially with your age, I know you guys got to be into some of the younger music that's out there right now. Are you guys into anything that's fairly recent? No. Uh, the only new music I've heard that like caught my ear was uh, the new Dirty Honey album. Yeah, definitely Dirty Honey. Other than that, yeah. no, I like Kiss, man. You know. <laughs> now I gotta ask, with your age, I mean, there's not many of the, or maybe there's more than I know of. You guys can let me know if I'm wrong. It's uh, with the younger generation. It seems like there's not as many into rock right now or is there that underground movement that maybe we don't know about i think it's a little bit of both honestly i mean we go to the show you see all the great people come out and they love rock and roll but also i think the general consensus is that you know we're trying to bring back rock and roll for the masses for the youth and you know and i, I would say at our crowds it's pretty it's pretty mixed between young and older people you yeah, know what i mean and like it, it balances out you know I feel like rock and roll is universal. Like it doesn't matter how old or young you are. Like if you get punched in the face, you're like, whoa. And yeah, rock and roll music does that to people. That's why people like it. <laughs> now, how long have you guys been playing together? Oh, we all grew up in a rock university, which was a musical program out of Old Town Music, which is a music store. And uh, me and John met, and then Nick and Dan joined. And we we knew each other all through that. We were jamming covers, you know. And then me and John were in a band, and Nick and Dan were in a band. And eventually we just were like, why aren't we jamming together? And then we did. And now we're sitting here talking to you. That's awesome, man. And, I mean, the, the this question's for Dylan. Now, when I saw you guys in uh, Pennsville, and I've noticed other times where you've done it, you're really, really good with ad-libbing to the crowd or saying something. I, I remember you, you were talking about getting abducted by aliens the last time I saw you guys. And what uh, did you ever have a, a problem with, like, stage fright or anything like that? Um, No, not really. I always felt comfortable on stage. I felt like I was in my living room, like, doing what I do, which is play my guitar. And it just so happens that there's other people in front of me witnessing that, which is cool. You know what I mean? But nothing really ever tempts me. I can say the only time I was ever, like, maybe not nervous or t- intimidated, but felt different was uh, we played the M3 pre-party, and, I, and that was, like, one of the biggest show, uh, probably the biggest show we've ever played because it was so connected to all those bands that we all grew up loving and got the chance to see that weekend, which was great. And like, it was just, like, so amazing. It was, like, everything I ever and, dreamed of, like, happen, happening in front of me, like, in that exact moment. So uh, that's the only, like, I know, different experience I had, but it was a really good one. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's bad or anything. Now, my next question is for Daniel and Nick. Uh, two different, two different things. One, when I first saw you guys, when I first started getting the nose in order, I honestly thought you guys were twins until later on. <laughs> you, you guys get that a lot. Yeah, we do sometimes. Yeah. And the other question is. As far as brothers are concerned, I had four brothers myself and know how brothers can be. Do you guys ever get that that sense of one-upmanship on each other? Or, I mean, with you guys playing both guitar and bass, you guys are basically the foundation of that band. Um, 
do you guys ever get into any kind of brotherly spats or one-upsmanship with each other? We do with playful. It's all good fun. It happens sometimes, but I think there is like a good nature of musicianship there too, where somebody will learn something crazy and then I have to go and, you know, learn something crazy and then I'll bring it back and he has to learn something crazy. You know, we just keep getting better. It's kind of a fun competitive nature. Yeah, we're all just kind of pushing each other in the forward direction. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, I wanted to ask John, uh, as far as the drum kit is concerned, now there there was a tendency there for a long time for drummers to get these big, massive kits, like ridiculously sized kits. You play on something more basic, which seems to be kind of the trend now. Do you prefer playing on a basic kit? Um. The reason, so I used to have a lot of times that I used to put a bunch of cymbals up, and the reason I slimmed down is it was kind of like a fundamentalist thing. Like, if I could rock out on a small amount of stuff, once I scale that up, like, I'll be proficient with whatever I'm given. So in the live scene, if I have just a simple drum kit, like, I'll be able to rip on that. Right. In terms of a, a preference, I really like playing on big kits too, and I think eventually that'll, um, like, I'll revert back to that because it's so much fun playing with all. I, it's, a, it's exactly as much fun as it looks to see a drummer playing all those toms and cymbals, but I I do enjoy just a simple kit because I know where everything is. I have a very um, in tune physical memory of where everything is, so it allows me to play better. Now, the, this is a whole band question. When you guys go out, I mean, do you guys go to concerts together? Do you go out and try and uh, see who you guys are looking up to? For sure, man. Yeah, yeah totally. What was the uh, you know, what was the last show you guys all went to together? We all saw Metallica. We all we all oh man. We've seen a bunch of shows. Slipknot, we were all there, you know what I mean? Like... And the, the other thing that I was very floored by, and uh, not a whole lot of people get to see it, especially according to uh, your your dad, Dylan, was when you guys played Pennsville, you got – man, you guys must have played a good at least half hour of covers, and I've never heard you guys do. You very rarely do covers. But these guys, I got to tell them, Tell our listeners, man, these guys really know their stuff. You guys played, you you pulled out the songs that I did not expect you guys to play. Um, what are your feelings on playing covers? And do you do you have fun doing that, or is it something that you just kind of keep on the backside? Well, when we have band practice and stuff, sometimes you, we can't really help playing covers because, you know, we were listening to that song five minutes before we went up into the jam room. We were like, all right, we're just going to play this song right now. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes out to – when it comes to playing a live show, like, with Zenora, we try to keep it us. That's, that's what we got to get. You know, and the only time we ever play covers is if, for one, we have to play for three hours and people request, I want to hear this band. Okay, we can play that band, sure. You know, I mean, it's I mean, it's fun while we're doing it, but I'm not going out looking like I want to play a cover at this show. You know, like if it happens, it happens. But I'm, I'd prefer if it didn't. You know. Now you guys said that you came out of that Rock University from uh, uh, Old Town Music. 
were there any other bands that came out with you guys? Any other bands that, I mean, aside from you guys, was there any other bands that came out of that? Absolutely. Um, yeah, there was a kid named Joey DeTulio, and he was in a band called JDT, and they were they were kick-ass. They were badass. He, he produces music now. Um, there, our buddy Joey, he's in a local band called Miss Diane. They jam around the local scene. Um... I know AJ's doing stuff in the Rowan scene. The yeah, Rowan yeah, what's, what's his, uh, he, he's called Dream Season. Yeah, Dream yeah, Season. Yeah, yeah, he makes, like, electronic music. It's cool, you know, oh, and uh, this kid, Jarrett, Jarrett Rome, he makes, he makes music. Just a solo, you know what I mean? It's more of, like, along the electronic side, but, uh, you know, they're doing their thing, and they're having fun doing it, so that's great for them, man. I'm glad to see everybody that, you know, we grew up with pursuing their dream of making music. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what we Absolutely. Do. Now, uh, could you guys give us a little bit of the input for anyone that's listening might have kids or young people themselves that thought about getting into like a rock university or a school rock or one of those. Can you guys give us a little bit of input on to what your experience was like? And if you guys would recommend that. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely recommend it. Definitely. Um, as a musician, you know, and that's the first thing is practice, you know, when you're home, you got practice, but it puts you in a setting where you have to work like a team with other musicians and you have to sing together, you know? So I would definitely recommend for aspiring musicians to, you know, even if it's just go out looking for a band or for a rock university school, rock, whatever it may be, definitely an endeavor that's worth it. And they teach you things that are valuable to being a musician, you know? For sure. Yeah. It's good. It's a good networking tool. And like, you don't, know much about being in a band until you're actually in a band and right. that program puts you in that position so you're not going to get good at being in a band unless you're in a band and yeah. you're working like that so they've uh they put us in that position and that's it it allowed us to meet so it's got to be a great idea you know Some, a lot of great bands came out of there so i would recommend it to anybody who's now, when you guys are going through that, do they take time uh, individually for, like, the different instruments that you guys are doing, or is it all band-based while you're there? Pretty much all band-based. Like, uh, most of the kids that are in that take music lessons from Old Town Music, so that would be, like, the practice time, I guess. But when gotcha. I was, like, they called them sessions. When it was in session, like, we're playing the song. If you don't know how to play the song, then you better learn it by next week. You know, and it, and it really taught, on a non-musical side, that school really taught me teamwork, how to work with other musicians, you know, yeah. that are maybe above or under your skill level, like compromising. You know, that was a big thing I learned from that school, and, like, I use that to this day, so I thank them for that. Now, I love um, everything to that music school, honestly. It put me in the position to be well around the people that are in my band right now, and that's a very special thing that I hold near and dear to my heart. With you guys, now you said that you don't really listen to anything newer. What is it about today's music that maybe doesn't catch you? Um, they don't play rock on the radio much, except 93.3 WMMR, and it's all the same stuff I've been hearing my whole life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I watch TV. There's not rock in front of me. So I go on YouTube and I look up what I know, you know, and I, I have a good time doing that. And I don't know. I, I make new music. We make new music. And that's, that's, I don't know, we focus on that. You know, I, I, there's a bunch of other great bands that are in this scene as well. New music wise, they might not be as young as we are, but Wild Street 
and Whiskey oh, Grin yeah. are they are amazing. And we we had the opportunity and pleasure to play with them, guys. Most recently, uh, this past weekend, we played with Wild Street two dates uh, in Lebanon, PA, and in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And we've been playing with Whiskey Grin for the past couple months around the scene. And uh, both those bands are going to be at Masquerade as well with us, and that's that's awesome. And for anybody that doesn't know, listening about the Masquerade Fest, uh, Great White is going to be there. George Winch is going to be there. Hurricane, Tora Tora, Tokyo Motor Fist, Roxy Blue. It's a three-day-long festival of rock and roll madness, and it's going to be incredible. An incredible experience for all the bands, for all the people experiencing it. It's going to be a moment in time of fantasy. Absolutely. And it's it's being put on, guys, by uh, BLE, which is a big thing for Rock and Roll Union. We're we're real tight with BLE and with Bradley himself. Uh, God knows he went through his uh, near death experience, man. That that was a hell of a car crash he was in. But uh, yeah. And so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, as far as favorite places to play, any any places stand out? I mean, you guys have had a bunch of shows. Um, Voltage. The Voltage Lounge. Philadelphia, man. I don't know if, is that place still open? Did they close? I know they were selling t-shirts to try to like bring it back up. I don't know, but that place was amazing. So it was next to the old electric factory, like literally in the same building. It was like the the place next to it. It's awesome. It's a great place. I did really like Cancun Cantina. Too. Yes, yeah. Cancun Cantina was really cool in Maryland. That place was cool. Um, I can tell you a place I'm really excited to play at is in West Virginia at the end of the month, August 28th. We're playing, we're headlining the Dill Center in uh, Harrisburg, West Virginia. So that's going to be fun. That's awesome. Now, you guys just jumped on board with uh, Wild Street, right? You guys have more gigs coming up with them? Uh, masquerade for now. Okay. Hopefully, you know, hopefully in the future we would love to play with them again. Hey, Wild Street, if you're listening to this, man, take us on tour with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, uh, as far as uh, things coming up, as I know you got Mass Gray coming up. You got the Virginia show. Anything in the area? Um, August 21st, we're going to be at the uh, Pleasant Hill Fire Company in um, with the Hanover, Pennsylvania. Uh, the 28th will be in West Virginia. The 29th will be in Philadelphia at Sweeney's. Um, September 10th, we're going to be at the Fire in Philadelphia. And then uh, October 9th, we're playing Yacht Stock. October 22nd, we're going to be at the Rusty Nail. And uh, October 28th is Masquerade. That's our lineup yeah, right now. You guys are jam-packed. I know the 22nd's our show, man. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be great, man. We haven't been there in a long time. Sorry, my phone's going off over here. Um, So I wanted a couple more questions for you guys as far as uh, albums are concerned. What do you have out there right now, and how do people go about finding it? Well, we have two records out right now. They're both EPs. They both have four songs on them. The first one is self-titled, and the second one is called Bring Back Rock and Roll. All the information that you would need to find that music, how to buy it, how to listen to it, how to download it on your phone, is you can find it at sonoramusic.com. Again, that's sonoramusic.com. You can find all the information that you need about us, music-wise, merch-wise, show-wise, anything you need. We got it. Do you guys uh, have anything social media-wise? 
Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We, we have YouTube, and uh, all those links you can find through our website as well. It it looks like we might have somebody calling in to talk to you guys. Let's see who we got on the line. Thank, thanks for calling right. the Rock and Roll Union podcast. Oh, I think it's <laughs> – never mind. I think it's Dave again. Sorry, Dave. Oh, yeah, it's me, man. It's me. I don't want to talk to those knuckleheads. I know them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, guys, just uh, as far as social media pages, do you guys have anything that you keep uh, keep up with as far as social media? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, we're we're up to date on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to this day. Every, we're, like multiple times a week, we're sending information out about, you know, new things we're doing what we're doing right now, where we're playing, what, where we just played. We're up to date with that. And last question that I have for you guys is as far as uh, the future, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Uh, what's, what's up next for Zenora? As, aside from the live shows, what, what are you guys really looking forward to doing? Uh, well, we have a brand new song coming out September 10th called Fist of Lightning. Uh, we're going to be making a music video for that, so stay tuned. Uh, hopefully, later on this year, we'll be back in the studio to record some of the new music we've been working on, and we're really excited about possibly doing that soon. Um, we're looking at, you know, pushing out of the local area and spreading our wings to people who may not know who we are physically yet uh, across the country, across the globe. Gotcha, we have big man. dreams for Sonora. We have the belief in us to take us there, and we're going to do it. Mark my words. I honestly think that you guys are going to be the next big thing, man. I've said that from the moment that I saw you guys and I really think the world of you guys and think that you guys have what it takes to bring back rock and roll. Like your song says, man, thank you guys so much for being with us tonight. Thank Thank you, Brad. Thank thank you, man. Thank you so much. So you guys enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll talk soon. So there was Zenora guys, man. Really, like I said, a great group of young men out there doing it. We're going to listen to another Zenora tune, and then we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with Sports in Metal. Don't go nowhere.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer, The Maestro, former Impact performer, Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor, Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality, Bruce Wirtz. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirtz, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Dangerous Danny Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. This is your amiga, Shelly from Cali, to let you know you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 
9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast, guys. A big shout-out and thank you to Zenora for being with us this evening. Next up is our guest from a podcast that, you know, I just recently checked out, and I love it, even though I'm not a sports, uh, really a big sports person. I just love the way they flip out while they're doing it. So, uh, guys, please welcome Jason and Aaron from Sports and Metal. Guys, you with us? Hey, what's up, man? Hey guys, man! Thank you so much for uh, for being with us tonight. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. Yeah, I'm Aaron. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're happy to be here, man. So I, I gotta say, you cool, know, man. I said leading into this that uh, I'm not really a sports guy. My, I come from a big family of sport fanatics, but. I love the interaction between the two of you guys on your show and just the way that some of you, the, the either one of you guys flip out over certain topics. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, honestly, Aaron and I, we've known each other for 40 years. We're, we're 45. We've known each other for like 40 of our 45 years. Best friends. And our two passions in life are sports and music. We're, we're, were most notably metal. So we figured why not start a show with both? And yeah, it worked out. I mean, we're both very passionate about, you know, the music we're into and we're passionate about our sports teams. And one of the things that makes the show interesting is Jay's obviously a big four for four Philly guy. I've known Jay since we were kids. My family's from the Philadelphia area, but I was kind of brought up more in New Jersey, central Jersey. So, you know, in my youth, I became a Mets fan. And gotcha. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Don't ask me how that happened. but <laughs> So we, it, it really just adds, like, a real flavor to the show, you know, because sometimes we, we can be best friends and we could also be button heads, you know. Yeah. So that adds a real flavor to the show, too. So Now, for, for you guys, are you guys, like, what, what's, the, what's your favorite sport? I've heard you talking and – Maybe it's just because it's baseball season, but you guys seem really passionate about baseball. Yeah, I, I would say on a whole, I think Aaron and I both, that's kind of our bread and butter. I mean, obviously, uh, being a Philly guy, I, I also enjoy, uh, you know, Flyers and, and the Sixers. I'm not super big on basketball, but I would say my two best sports would be baseball and football, and I think Aaron's probably the same, but I think – when you when it really goes down to it, baseball is definitely you know the number one love. So yeah, that's probably why it brings that you could you know that passion that you're seeing. That's why it comes out. I, I would agree with that. I think baseball, football is where our main passions lie. Jay's, Jay's definitely a lot more into hockey than I am. It's funny though. I was a big wrestling fan growing up. <laughs> oh man, so we all were. <laughs> I could go on and on about the old school wrestling. You know, I was listening to you guys' commercials. You know, I could go on and on about you know, Bobby the Brain, Jimmy Hart. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, Dude, you know, like, I'm glad you like the show. Man, I'm a big uh, – it's funny being the only rock show on a wrestling-based network and uh, talking about the wrestling a little bit. It, it, you guys are the same age as me, so you guys remember that whole rock and wrestling connection and uh, – when wrestling used to come on MTV. So it, it just kind of connected. 
Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I, I, I was even a huge Cindy Lauper fan back then. You know, the, she, she's, I know we're not into metal now, but She's So Unusual was like really a great album for any genre. And, you know, her being on the Rock and Wrestling Connection, she was managing Wendy Richter. So it just brought that whole MTV rock and roll thing, and it was, it was larger than life wrestling at that time. You know, rest, oh, the yeah. wrestlers at that time were basically rock stars. You know, think about it. They really were. You're right. <laughs> you know? And, I mean, that you know, time period, that. I became uh, my favorite of all time is Roddy Piper, and he was right there in the heart of it all. And uh, so let, let me ask you, who, was your, who would be your favorite wrestler of all time? I'm a huge Roddy Piper guy, so you, you nailed one of my one of my favorites. I've always been for the villains. I think when you think of Roddy yeah. Piper around WrestleMania one, during the whole Rock and Wrestling Connection period, Roddy Piper was like the ultimate villain. He was so funny, but and so bad. I'll never forget when he broke the coconut over Jimmy Smoke's head on Piper's pit. I mean, it's one of the great moments. <laughs> yeah. That being said, the guy who I think was the greatest villain and my all time favorite wrestler was Ric Flair, the Nature Boy. Oh yeah. Woo! <laughs> Limo ride, jet flying, son of a gun. <laughs> and you know, uh, it, it was that Jimmy Snooker thing that, that I think made me become a Piper fan. Like you said, I was big on the villains, man. Always have been. I still watch, even Always. though it's really not the same. But it, it's that Absolutely. childhood thing, man. Absolutely. I think the eighties was a special time for that. And uh, I was just watching a. It was on, I believe, uh, Amazon Prime has a series on the Dream Team from 92. And uh, that was like the year before I graduated high school. So that that era in sports was a very big thing. Uh, And I'm sure that you guys have your memories and all that from back then. Well, it's funny you say that, and you know, we got into the wrestling a little bit, and we got into the whole MTV connection. But you know what? Let's go back to the sports and metal podcast a little bit. We were just talking about Jason and I, our passion for baseball, and how I became a Mets fan. I brought that up a little bit. Well, it kind of coincides right with the wrestling since you brought it up. What were the Mets in '86? They were a bunch of badasses, a bunch of villains. You know, I mean, they would come into your town, steal your women, win the game, take all your money, and they they had that attitude. And if you remember, they were all over MTV, too. They had the Let's Go Mets video on MTV. So, I mean, like, it's, you're right. Like, that whole period and then going up into the early 90s, sports just had a different feel to them. Like, even, like, to me, the, the athletes were, like, rock stars. Yeah, and yeah. I think maybe it also had to do with uh, the fact that MTV was the outlet. It was the first time we were at, really had visuals, and it was in the early era of cable TV. You know, probably in the generations prior to us, with sports, you would only see the superstars in your town for the most part when you went to a game or you saw them on your local TV station. And right. unless, you know, you, you were lucky enough to see, if you were, say, you're a Yankee fan in New York and you happen to see Roberto Clemente when the Pirates came to New York to play the Yankees, it wasn't like today where you can watch games all over the country at any time on the Internet, uh, on cable. So, again, in the 80s, it was when cable TV came Think about it. Even wrestling. I mean, wrestling. Vince McMahon took wrestling to a whole other level by making oh, yeah. it national. You know, the, the, the World Wrestling Federation was an East Coast Northeast territory. Wrestling was all territorial. You know, you had your Mid South National Wrestling Alliance was based down in Georgia. Um, the well, the AWA I think was based in Nevada. You know, um, 
World Wrestling Federation was the Northeast Territory, but Vince McMahon made it nationwide. He knew. He, knew. Yeah. he took advantage of cable television. He took advantage of MTV. And like you said, I think the same thing with sports. You had your Michael Jordans in, in basketball. I mean, the stars at that time were just larger than life. So I can totally relate. And it, ha- it has everything to do with my formative years of how I became a sports fan. That's really why I became a Dolphin fan. I liked their uniform, and I love Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah. Don't you forget Dan, Dan Marino and uh, – Ace Ventura, Pat Detective, <laughs> right? I think uh, talking about sports uh, and athletes being rock stars, I think one of the biggest rock star when I was graduating high school had to be John Crock. Absolutely. Oh, I, I was going to get Jason and I love the 93 Phillies. I, yeah. I mean, talk about a badass team. Yep. 93 but, Phillies, I mean, that. that they call him Macho Row. <laughs> yeah, 93 Phillies were basically like the 86 Mets part two to me. Like, I'm a Mets fan, but and Jay will tell you, I loved the 93 Phillies. And what, what what's the common denominator on the two teams? Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of summed up the whole vibe of the team. But, I mean, rough and tumble. You know, John Cruck traded his number with the wild thing for a case of beer. You know, I mean, it was just – there was something about those teams. They were just large. Everybody on the Phillies had grown a mullet by then, so they had, like, a whole vibe about it, right? Darren Dalton was, yeah. like a, you know, you know, you would think that he was a huge, you know, he was just larger than life because, you know, he really, all the women loved him. And yeah, it was just, it, it was a different time period. I agree with you. Yeah. I think you nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always question, and, you know, if you go back and you look at the 80s and the early 90s, the movies were larger than life, the wrestling was larger than life, sports were the same way. The one thing that we had going on in our society was the Cold War. Now, I wonder if that had something to do with it, something to do with the creativity and with the energy behind the country, and there was more of a fever pitch of patriotism back then. What do you guys think? Do you think the Cold War had anything to do with all that? I think it had a lot to do with it. The wrestling. Let's look at the wrestling. So much of the plot lines were based around that. You had Hulk Hogan became the American. I am a real American. That was originally written for Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham, if you remember. Um, yeah, and then but it became Hulk Hogan's team, and then you know Hogan had defeated the Iron Sheik for the belt. Yep. Obviously, I think that had a lot to do with why they made that beat Hogan's song. Um, and then he had the feud with Nikolai Volkov, who used to sing the Russian national anthem. And you even had that in the NWA when you had like um, Nikita Koloff, and they all had the USSR sticklets on. And then even pop culture, like take Rocky Four. So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see that. I definitely. And, well, let's, take, let's talk about sports. I mean, let's talk about the 1980 Olympics. You know, the, the, oh, the yeah. hockey team. Think about it. I mean, definitely I think it was a connection. Definitely a connection. I think that rallied the country around these teams, around these athletes. And I think it, uh, maybe it's also the instant gratification of today of, of why things just don't seem to be larger than life the way they did. I, I, I also, again, I go back to the access. The fact that we can just type something in or watch a highlight on SportsCenter. You know, think yeah. about this. You remember the feeling when you used to go to Blockbuster and you'd stand in the aisle looking at all these videos and you'd oh, get yeah. like pumped up having a 
look at a video and, and you might take 45 minutes to find one and you pick it and you are like pumped up to go home and watch the movie. It's like that feeling is lost because now you could just scroll. So you ever find yourself just scrolling for what to watch on Netflix for five hours and not actually watching anything? Technology. <laughs> right? Technology Absolutely. is down everything. It, it, but it, and also it's taking the joy out of things. I think that includes sports. You know? But, well, you know, somebody yeah, brought so up I mean, the fact – I was reading it today. Somebody brought up the fact that – and it really, really uh, resonated with me was – you know, there's a million people that watch pro wrestling now, and they need to know the ins and the outs of every player, of every wrestler, uh, what's, who's going what, who's, who's dating who, who's doing this and that. And back then, it, like, it was real to us. It was like, well, we didn't care. We connected with them. And when the show was over, it was over. I mean, there wasn't a million marks around, and I'm sure sports have the same problem with, like, people – that need to know the whole ins and outs that really have nothing to do with the game. Oh I think you're absolutely right. It's not true. Jay, I, I tell me if you agree with this. I also think it's why, like what you said, nailed it. I think it takes the joy out of things a lot. Like when you were a kid, when you watched, like, for example, a baseball game or a football game, you kind of just enjoyed the moment. You were in the moment and you watched it. I don't think I don't think you overanalyzed it so much. I think now because you overanalyze things so much, it takes the joy out of it. I'm going to give you a perfect example. So, you know, back in the day, before cell phones, you used to go to a concert, and you would just enjoy the concert. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Today, today, I would say probably 98 to 99 percent of people are filming half the concert, at least taking videos, taking selfies, not a lot of people not even watching the concert. So yep. that, that right there shows you how things are, are much different. And, and, and that's, that's in the music realm. So I think you can apply that to any kind of aspect in life today where it's kind of like the enjoyment levels are actually a lot less because everything is so, you know, centered around, social media and your cell phone. I, I mean, it, it, it's really an epidemic, and unfortunately, it's just part of life now. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you can instantly look at, at sports stats as soon as the game ends. It's not like back in the day yeah. you want to look at all the box scores the next morning in the newspaper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody's everybody's at the moment. They're not in the moment. Like, Correct. just just Spot a chance on. to arrive and say you're at some place seems more important than enjoying what you went to. Nailed it. You're spot on. Yeah, it's almost looking for approval. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Just to be able to say you were at the event rather than actually enjoying the event. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. Yeah. You know, I've 100%. done so many live events and – uh, very rarely will I do a lot. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do one song. I'll, I'll live stream a song or something like that just to get a little taste of what was there. But I have a hard time touching my phone during a music event. Yeah, and I've made a conscious effort to not. You know, I, I think in, we, we've all been guilty of it, but I think I've become more conscious of it. At least I hope I have. Jay and I were just yeah. talking about this the other night. We were at the Mets Phillies game. This exact subject came up, and, and and I'll go even one further because we we actually were at an event with you. Well, we didn't know you were there. Well, I found out later, but 
the, the lounge fly concert. And, oh yeah. I mean, I, and I did happen to film pretty much that whole concert, but it, I did it for reasons because I thought it would be cool for the band. Right. But, but you're right. For the most part, like if I'm going to a concert, I, I'm going to do what Aaron just said, make a conscious effort to not use my phone because it does take away that enjoyment. Like, I remember, you know, 20-some years ago before, you know, going to, like, a Metallica concert, and it was like, you know, cell phones weren't in use at that time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it's just different. I mean, and maybe I'm, maybe, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm the asshole here. I always think that, you know, somebody's going to have better footage than me anyway. So, like, they're, even if it's not there. But... No, you're definitely not an asshole. You're, you're, it's smart, and it's really what we should do, but. Like I said, I think life has become so centered around the cell phone for everybody. I mean, everybody in life. I mean, five-year-old kids are on cell phones. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just the reality of the world we're living in. And it's like, but it realistically has changed the whole landscape of, of you know, entertainment in general. Now, well, you're, I know that you're really a music guy. You said you're not much into the sports aspect. And Obviously, our show is sports and metal. But you right. guys got me thinking of something. You guys got me thinking of something, both of you. We're talking about our experiences with technology, and we're talking about how the sports and the music were so larger than life. It kind of makes me think also how music suffers so much today because the youth of today, it's like when we were growing up, there were scenes, like, and there were clicks, and there were groups, and it was all based on the music you were listening to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. in, in high school, you had the deadheads, you had the, the goths, you had the punkers, you had the jocks, and everybody, and you had the hip-hoppers. Now, if you go to any junior high or high school, every single kid looks the same. Yeah. It's almost like, because of, like, you could just download a single, and nobody buys albums anymore. There's no record stores. You know, so technology has affected things in that way, too, and I think it has a lot to do with why we don't see larger-than-life stars in sports and music anymore. You know, because everything's again, we're back to instant gratification. That's know? why a movie that's why a movie like The Breakfast Club could never take place today. Oh, absolutely. Because they you just nailed it. You nailed it. And you watch the Breakfast Club, every one of those kids that were represented in that detention. Right. You could tell by looking at them basically the music that they liked. Oh my god. And that's how it was when we grew up. You could you could look at somebody and pretty much say what kind of music that guy liked or what they right? were. Like, well, everything what you were was kind of based on the music that you listened to. That's how important music is to me. That's how that's what music means to me. You know, to me, music is such a big part of my life. It's like a soundtrack to my life. It's why we did sports and metal because of these passions that we had. And uh, I just don't see it with the kids today. I, I try to instill it in my kids, you know, but I just don't see it. Don't see it. It's few and far between, man. I, like I, the the band that was on right before you guys and Nora is one one of very very few that I've seen out there that are they're all in their early twenties that get that. But um, yeah, yeah I, I got to agree, I was man. That, I was ahead, listening to the to, to. Oh no problem, man. Thank you and thank you once again. Thank you for having us on. This is awesome. Like, I like this. It's a different type of platform. I, I'm, I, yeah, it's almost like a radio station, and I, that's what I like about it. So, but yeah, they they, they seemed like they were definitely uh, 
were of like just a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? They enjoyed the rock and roll scene and not, you know, what's going on today. So hopefully there's more like them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because we need well, we need that. I got to ask you guys. I had a I had a somebody um, approach me with a statement when we when we were out at that lounge fly show, and they they came to me with the idea, and you know I've been pondering this ever since. After the bands that are out there, the legendary bands are done, and it's coming to a close very rapidly. Are we going to see the death of the big arena shows? Or what do you guys, I mean, as far as the way the music scene is now, I mean, are we just going to see just a bunch of smaller shows? You are nailing something I think about every day, and I've brought up the friends and colleagues. <laughs> it, it's so true. I've, we, my friend James, Jason knows my buddy James. We've had this very conversation. Like, you take, like, a Metallica, a Guns N' Roses, an ACDC, Rolling Stones, there's only a few of these bands left that can actually tour and fill a Lincoln Financial Field, a MetLife Stadium, yep. a Citizens Bank Fall, whatever. There's, once these bands retire, you're, you're right. outside of a potential festival, and even those, I don't think so. I, you may be right. It could be the death of the big stadium shows. Maybe not the arena show. I think you can still get your arena shows because you're Taylor Swift. You know, Maybe we're jumping the gun here. Maybe obviously I think a Taylor Swift could probably fill, you know, Lincoln Financial Metal wise. Metal wise maybe. But but even the pop, it's only gonna be a handful, like with Taylor Swift. We really could for the most part be looking at the end of it. I'm not gonna say arena shows. I think you could get like a festival, you know, of bands that could right. fill you know, a Wells Fargo Center or something like that. But the big stadium shows, it's gonna be tough. I don't know. And even the and even the younger generation of bands that you know five ten years ago that were filling you know your Wells Fargo's your Spectrum stadiums of that arenas of that size even those are those kind of a dying breed you you were talking about the, the, the we're talking about the dying off of the dinosaur bands right Jerry. yeah the, the ACDCs the Metallicas the Guns N' Roses the Aussies but what about the the, the next generation the Avenged Sevenfold the Atreus well, by Valentine's, you're not really even seeing younger bands come up and reach those levels of popularity. Now. No. It's scary. Think about it. You're not even seeing that now. It's gotten to the point where it's all mumble rap. And, and it's all about instant gratification. Are these? I don't even know how many of these artists are even touring outside of, like, maybe on a Lollapalooza at a festival or something. I mean, you got guys just recording music on YouTube in their room on Casio keyboards. <laughs> Casio keyboard. Yeah. I, just, I just dated myself. I don't even think they make that anymore. But <laughs> you get my drift. <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you really broach an amazing question. You really do. And unfortunately, it, what it, was that it, it, oh, it I looks said, like... I just said it. Go ahead, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I said it's scary. I, I wasn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Nah, man, you're good. It, it's... Aside from... I could see country artists. Unfortunately, I'm not into the new country. It's it's like pop with a twang to me. That stuff is selling like crazy here. But in other parts of the world, they're as much into rock as we were in the 80s. So you see some of these bands that are playing European festivals, so like half a million strong are playing like little rooms that have like 2,000 people in it here. 
No, yeah. you're actually right. Like bands like Hardcore Superstar, for example. Well, well no, I'm going to give you a band. Megadeth has almost, it's pretty much the biggest band in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about younger generation of bands. I no, think we're but, kind of No, but I, I think I, what he what he's saying is is over in Europe and other countries Rock and metal is, is like it was back here in the 80s. Oh, yeah. In the agreed, US. agreed, agreed. But, like, but these bands, Jay, but the, these bands aren't going to be around forever, was kind of the original point. I, I'm kind of going like there are a, there is a generation of younger bands that we don't really hear about in this country that are very popular in Europe and stuff and in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Like, and again, Hardcore Superstar comes up. Um, another, And I'm talking like, like more bands that even have really of the – 80s glam vibe about them. I don't know if you're familiar with a band called Reckless, Reckless Love. Oh, they, yeah. They're uh, very popular. I, yeah, they're very popular. I'm but, but so, it, it, I don't know. I, here's the thing. You brought up well, the country. I think, well, I think that's what makes a band like Liliac so awesome, is the fact that that music that they're playing is the music that we love, and they are freaking phenomenal. Well, yeah, well, it's good to see God. young people that are into it. I agree. They but should I'll, be like the next thing. You would hope. Too. You would hope, but 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 they just played the Land of Theater. There's nothing wrong with playing the Land of Theater. But I want to see a band like that playing Wells Fargo Center. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I want that. I want to see that come back in our country. But you got to start see somewhere. I'm not saying you don't. There's nothing wrong with that either. That's not what I meant. But I, I'm talking about like I. We know that this band deserves to be immensely popular. We know that. Oh, yeah. They're immensely talented. They're great. But I, what, what do we need to do to make the generation of today appreciate it? Because all they want to hear is the baby and whatever little rapper is out. Little pop, little this, little that. <laughs> That's what the kids are listening to. You know? Um, but I digress. CT, you know, it's funny. You brought up the country music that's out now. I actually like a lot of it. Not all of it. Like, I, I, can't, I don't like Luke Bryan, but a lot of it I do like, and you're going to think I'm crazy to say this. I almost think it's almost like, well, you kind of said it yourself. It's like rock with a twang. But I think it's almost like the 80s rock of today. Like, it's almost, a lot of it is almost like if Poison came out today. I think that that's the sound that they would have. Now, I'll give, <laughs> you know? I'll give you that. I mean, there's a, there's a new wave of country now that is more popish than anything. But there was the the – Decade behind that, I totally agree with. Uh, the one guy who I really absolutely love that they pigeonhole as country that I just can't say is country exclusively is Chris Stapleton. Yeah, that's true. I agree. I agree. Have you? Heard, have, what do you think of the new Aaron Lewis stuff? You know, Aaron Lewis from Spain. I do. Um, what stops? <laughs> honestly, what stops me from liking Aaron Lewis? is his political bullshit that he does on stage. I knew you were going to do that, and I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> so I haven't heard – if he that just out put something out. I'm pretty impressed that he pulls it off. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just he's right there with, like, Phil Anselmo on saying the most inappropriate shit on stage. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I agree 100%. And speaking of Phil Anselmo, I, I, I cringe watching him in interviews. <laughs> he, he, sounds like, he sounds like he's a wrestler. <laughs> he doesn't oh, know, man. It's, you know? 
You sometimes it's wonder crazy. why people like Dimebag Daryl have to die and people like Phil Anselmo can keep going on. Yeah, it's like that old Dennis Leary joke. Now, no disrespect to Motley Crue because I love him. But I don't know if you remember. He goes, um, he says, um, why is it that everybody you love has to die? Richie Valens goes into a plane <laughs> one time, one time, and it crashes. But Motley fucking crew, they can take every drug on every continent all over the world, get on a plane, and five hours later, they'll go, oh, we need more cocaine. <laughs> that's what I, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I do. But I, as far as Motley Crue, that's another sore subject for me because uh, with the way Vince sounds right now and the whole we're signing a contract and never tour again, uh, yep. they kind of put me in a spot. I took my kids to what was supposed to be the final Motley Crue farewell tour, and four years later, they're back at it again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's annoying. I agree. Just either tuck the shit and play or retire for good. Like, it's the same thing with Kiss, even. Like, these bands that do that, it's just frustrating to me. 100%. 100%. I do want proof. What's that? I said, just don't announce your farewell. If if it's your farewell, it's your farewell. Who cares? Just. That's what I was going to say. It's like I'm, I'm, I love having the crew, but why go through all the bullshit and be phony about it? You know, especially if it, you called out other bands for doing that very thing. <laughs> they did. Exactly. They called out other bands for doing that very thing, and then they did it themselves. Yeah. I mean, the other joke was Ozzy with the No More Tours too. Twenty years after the No More Tours run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll give Ozzy a pass, however, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I'm a huge Ozzy fan. That's not the reason, but it, it kind of leads to why I give him a pass. Because when he did retire, he did kind of take like that four, three, four-year hiatus. And I think at the time he really did want to retire. This was before it became a thing to retire and then unretire. Yeah. Ozzy almost was like a pioneer. He was the first one to do it. So I think when Ozzy did it, did it, it was genuine. And he came back, and the Osmosis tour was, like, awesome. Like, we're like, Ozzy's fucking back. I was so pumped. I remember seeing Ozzy on the uh, Osmosis tour at the Roseland Ballroom in, in Manhattan. And it was just larger than life because I was so happy he was back. So I'll give him a pass. But if he did it again now, I agree 100%. I, when Ozzy did it, it wasn't a thing to do it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right. I mean, you also had the Kiss reunion there, too, so. Oh, Kiss, you're off here. Kiss is a sore subject for me. I mean, they do it all the time. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, they, they, you know, whatever's going to make them the most money is what they do. Absolutely. <laughs> we all know that. You know, I've always said Kiss was more of a commercial than a band. Exactly. Yeah. And they still are. Well, I mean, it's funny because it's funny because I read the uh, the thing that you posted on Facebook uh, earlier. Uh, I guess it was this morning. Uh, regarding what's a band that you know everyone likes that you don't that you you know that you can't stand, and 
I had my own uh, choice that I picked, and you you just said the band, and that's the band is Kiss, because I think, and Aaron will tell you, I I you know I'm one of the the rare few that believes that you know their best album, you know a lot of people believe that their best album was like you know to me, I mean Aaron you you tell them what what you think. What, what our favorite We're going to agree on this. So, so what you're I mean, saying is the band that you hate that everybody loves is Kiss. And it's funny. I, I was going <laughs> to chime in on this, too. Uh, and I wasn't thinking of Kiss. Choice? Well, I wasn't thinking of Kiss. But now that you said it, I think they are on my list. Like, I don't love Kiss. And I know what you're going to say your favorite record is, which is why you're asking me to say it. Because I know we agree. Jason and I will both tell you that Revenge is the best Kiss album. We're going to get a lot of heat from Kiss fans. <laughs> yeah, which we did. I wrote, did. I actually wrote a, I, you know, I wrote a, you know, I did a top ten album segment, you know, when I and I'm continuing to do that with sports and metal, but I, I had obviously, uh, you know, Revenge as the best album, and I, I put it on a Kiss, uh, you know, group site, and I must have had 400 people like coming at me like you suck, <laughs> blah blah blah, and it was just funny because I just I personally believe that's their best musical album like i think it's definitely the best, the best songwriting i think revenge is the best songwriting of their career i think every time i look at you is one of the best rock ballads of all time yeah uh, you know um every time i look at you that one um i love domino on that record i, I love um i just want on that record i love take it off on that record i love unholy on that record God gave rock and roll to you on that, right? I mean, that's the top to bottom. Oh, record. yeah. They took the makeup off. They took the makeup off. They took the gimmicks away. And they came out with a real hard, heavy metal rock album. And it, it's definitely, it's just the gimmicks were gone. I, I do agree with Jay. I think it's their best record. And because we think that, I think that's why I think we would both say we're not huge Kiss fans. I, you know, I was never like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying I don't like a lot of songs in the, in the classic catalog, because I do. But I'm going to take the heat for this, too. I mean, one of my favorite Kiss records is, um, was it the disco one? What album is that? It was, uh, I was made for loving you, baby. Why no, that was old. Uh, uh, see, I'm so far out of the Kiss loop that... I'll tell you in one sec. I'm just... Cause I'm not, well, you see, you have, uh, Dynasty. I was going to say Dynasty, Dynasty. I didn't want to say it. I, I was going to say it, and I, but I didn't want to be wrong. Like, most people are going to say that they love Destroyer. Uh, they're going to say they love right. Kiss Alive, too. You know, I'm going Dynasty because I just think it was a change. I, but here's the thing. I'm also going to admit that that was a sellout record. I just happen to like it. Think but about I, it. That was, that was Kiss coming out with a disco record because disco was popular. <laughs> so they did I, yeah. was, I Was Made for Loving You, a disco song. But I also love Sure No, sure no Something on that record. Uh, I think it's a good record, but it's funny. We're talking about bands that everybody loves that I always didn't care for. It would always have been in my past Rush. For some reason, I just couldn't get past Getty Lee's voice. But as I've gotten older, I've actually started to appreciate Rush. So if I'm going to tell you bands that everybody likes that I don't, my number one answer is going to be bands, and it's going to be a multitude of bands, not one. It's going right. to be all the bands that have that deep, that deep voice that became popular in like the early 2000s. And into the mid two thousands, and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. The Five Finger Death Punch, Theory oh. of a Dead Man, all those bands that that Breaking Benjamin, they all have to me sound the same. 
Well, that, the, those the other problem that I have with those bands is they seem to me, and I've, <laughs> I've gotten heat for it over the years, they're angry emo is what I call them. My life sucks. Everything yeah. sucks. I want to hurt somebody. My life sucks. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you. And, they, and the problem I also had is they all had that baritone vocal. There was just no originality yeah. to it. You know, if you're going to be with an only 80 band, band singing in a high range, all those bands are singing in that low range. Yeah. Which is kind of boring because there's no variety to the vocal style. You know what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't get into Disturbed for that reason. Yeah. I, I can see why a lot of people couldn't. I actually do like Disturbed, but I'll also tell you this. After, like, the first two records, I, I didn't need to ever hear another Disturbed album again because it just became <laughs> the same album over and over again. <laughs> The same with Godsmack. See, yeah, that's a fair point. Godsmack's the other one. Yeah? Same type of band, you know. Like, and I think we need to preface this by saying it's not that I don't like any of those bands, but they're on that list. Like, the question that you posed, I had to really think long and hard about it. And, you know, Kiss was my number one. But my other one that, that I, that I kind of had on my list, and I'll probably get heat for it, but I don't care, is Nirvana. Because oh, I think I hate Nirvana. Nirvana was like a cult a cult thing, you know, and, and listen, I respect the fact that Nevermind, and, and I give it credit for being, you know, one of those albums that were kind of a game changer, but if you ask me, I, I would definitely put 10 way ahead of it. I put a lot of albums ahead of Nevermind, you know, and I just always thought that Nirvana was like one of those bands that's just overrated. Jay, if you oh. made time in here, you make a great point. You make a great point. I do think Nirvana was a game-changing album. I mean, never mind, it was yeah, a game-changing album. But it doesn't mean I have to think Nirvana's a great band, so I'm kind of with you. I think yeah. you t- outside of Nevermind, most of the material is just noise. Uh, and we'll take it a step further. If you're going to say Nevermind's a game-changer, and I know they're my favorite band, so it's going to come off as biased, but to me, you never get Nevermind, or at least you don't get it being in the mainstream if Appetite for Destruction doesn't come out four years earlier. Because Appetite right. for Destruction was the album that broke the mold. In the 80s, it got to the point where it was like the same bands all sounded the same. They all dressed the same. They all looked the same. They all came out with that prerequisite power ballad to get a top 10 single. Guns N' Roses came out not wearing makeup, not teasing their hair, saying F-words on records, which at that time was like, wow, did you hear what he just said on the record? Think about it. Even hearing Axl Rose saying um, about getting high on Welcome to the Jungle and that being on the radio – Back in 1987, 1988 was like kind of cutting edge. I mean, today we would take it for granted because everything's so raunchy now. But back then, that was a big deal. And and, and just the fact that they kind of like became something different than everything that was out at that time and it was edgier and it was more pissed off. I hate to say it, but it kind of opened the door for grunge to happen. It did. Because it it broke the mold where like you had a formula and every band was like living by that formula at that time. Metallica is another band that I would give the credit to, but Metallica was kind of always on their own thing because Thrash was always there. But as far, I'm talking yeah. about as far as bands breaking into the mainstream, because Black Album didn't come out until what three, four years after Appetite did. So I think Appetite was kind of that record, and I don't think Nevermind ever. So if you're giving Nirvana all this credit of changing the game, I, I think that's kind of unfair. I think Appetite was the game changer. That's and it's hard to it's hard to tell people like younger people. How big Guns N' Roses was at that time? They were everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. 
they were giant like in that time. I remember the pay-per-view that they had. Uh, they were just everywhere. And so let me ask you now that we're talking Guns N' Roses, have you guys heard the new the new song that was released, I think, over the weekend? Absurd, yeah. See, I'm actually familiar with the song. They actually performed it live back in like 2001 in Vegas, right. maybe at Rock and Rio. At the time, it was called Silkworms. The Silk chorus Worm, was yeah. different. At the time, the chorus, he said something about, um, what can I do with a bitch like you? And now they just change it to absurd, absurd. Am I a huge fan of the song? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. No, they're my favorite band, but it's not what we would want after waiting since 1994 to hear something. Oh, yeah, like a new studio recording from Guns N' Roses. It's I'm not what we're waiting for. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. But but at the same time, not surprised because clearly it's just the stuff Axel was working on when he didn't have Slash and Duff in the band. It's the Chinese democracy left over, and obviously what Axel says is what goes. And I guess it was just something that they could put out because the song was already kind of put together. Well, maybe it's just right. a sign that, hey, we're going to get it at the studio and put music out. Maybe this isn't something that we should judge, but do I love it? No. Yeah, but no. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, I think it would be a farce for anybody to expect anything close to an album like Appetite for Destruction. No. Or even, no. Or nah. even Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Because no. those records were like, you know, I mean, you said Nobody's expecting that. Game changer. Nobody's but, expecting no. that. But I'd like to at least hear something along the lines of, like that sounds like blasphemy, but even just like along the Miles Slash, Miles Kennedy Slash stuff, just something I, yeah, a little more traditional rock and roll, you know. And so I mean, the, the, the one thing about Guns N' Roses what, being so, what's that? The one thing that disappointed me with the new song was you didn't really hear a whole lot of Slash, and just I absolutely love hearing him play, and there, there's just and one room like the in that song for that. Agreed. I, and I just didn't like the vocal. I, did, I mean, it was definitely a nod to the punk rock and the UK tubs, the vocal style, but it was so distorted and it, it was just almost like an electronica song that took the electronica out of, but it still had like the format of like an electronica song. It, it was definitely dated. It sounds like something that should have come out like in the new metal electronic industrial time when that was all big, late 90s, early 2000s. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, however, it's as bad as what some people are making it out to be. I don't think it's absolutely horrendous, but it's not great either. No, no. It's definitely not what we've been waiting for for all this time. Right. I agree with you. I I mean, that's why I use the word, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just not something that I – I would expect better. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But but going back really quickly to something you brought up when we were talking about the Nirvana – and Jay's point about them being overrated, and I kind of, you know, diverted to the Guns N' Roses, and then you mentioned how people today don't remember how big they were. But kind of like I guess what my point, too, about that was they were that big without conforming to what was the norm at that time. Guns N' Roses yeah. became that big doing whatever the F they wanted to do. And to Nirvana's credit, they kind of did the same thing. But my point that I guess I was making was, hey, if Guns N' Roses didn't break down that door – Nirvana doesn't have that opportunity. That's kind yeah, of where I was going. So I think that they get too much credit for that. Yeah, but I also think, too, when it comes to Nirvana, I think it's trendy to say that they're a great band. Because, like yeah. I said, I don't think oh, they 100%. Are. Because, exactly, you make a great point, too, Jay, because Guns N' Roses, as raw as Appetite was, they became bloated rock stars on the illusions. You know, with the piano and the overproduction. Whereas it became 
trendy to mock them for that. And Nirvana and Guns N' Roses kind of had a little feud, if you remember. You know? Oh, yeah. So it was almost like because if you think back, it was that. I mean, you think about Guns N' Roses broke down that door. Nirvana was like the next big thing after Guns N' Roses. And, if, and you remember Axel kind of like idolized Kurt Cobain. He had, he, and, but Kurt Cobain didn't return that love. And if you remember, they had like a lot of animosity between them because Guns N' Roses came to represent everything that their Nirvana didn't. Guns N' Roses, like I said, as long as they were on Appetite, they became bloated rock stars. What's that? Oh, how we lose it. Hold on, I'm calling back. Ow. Sorry. Yeah, I can hear both of you. I don't know how, but yeah, the the call dropped. Oh, we're back. Are we back on the air? Yeah, we're on the air. Okay, good. All right, I good. thought I had to call you back. But we got, I, I guess good. we're um, picking you up on his speaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what the last thing you heard was, but I think you got my point. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the the other thing was Guns N' Roses was good for, for drinking, partying, having a good time. Once Once that whole Nirvana and the grunge movement came in, it really became a sad turn of events. It, it, guys wearing sweaters on stage, the morphine. I yep. mean, everyone was yep. in the morphine and heroin. And if you look at it, there's only one singer left from that movement being Eddie Vedder. Everyone yep. else killed themselves. I agree. It's pretty agree. nuts when you look back at it that way. Yeah. So, I mean... There was a picture I threw up just recently of before Kirk Cobain killed himself, he took a picture with a gun in his mouth. Like, how did we not see it coming? I mean, I think it was just everybody was focused on the music and not what, you know, the personality of the person and what, what they were yeah. really going through. Like, if you think about it, if you think about it and you look back at their lyrics, it was so depressing. And, like, I always said that, too, about Nirvana. Their lyrics weren't even that – they were just kind of dull. Like, compared to, like, the Alice in Chains and, like, the songwriting, just to me, was always a little less. And, and, well, and I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think Kurt Cobain, in many ways, was a great poet, but I just think it became redundant and depressing. And, yeah. and, I, and again, I, I think that's why they kind of view with Guns N' Roses, like, Nirvana came to represent everything that Guns didn't when Guns got, like, overbloated and big rock stars. And it just became, like, a self-fulfilling prophecy of, like, depression. I think that's why the grunge movement burnt out as fast as it did. Think about it. As Tidal Wave of Grunge came in, it went out just as fast. When you yeah. look at the, the new metal that came in the late 90s, the new metal, even though it was rap rock, was almost like kind of a return to the rock stars, though. You know, think about it. Kid Rock, he had a big yeah. elaborate stage show with strippers, and he wore, like, the big outfit. It was different, but it was kind of a return. It was almost like it was almost like a pushback against grunge. Like, hey, you know, we're sick of this depression. We want to fucking party again. <laughs> you know? Even your limp biscuits and stuff. You know? Lincoln Park. <laughs> like all but not to cut you guys off, we are uh just about out of time. I want to give our listeners a chance and uh idea how to find you guys. So if you could let us know like what night you guys are on or how to catch your show. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So we typically are on live on Thursdays or Fridays at 8 p.m. Just depends on the week. 
Usually I'd say it's Thursdays. Uh, sometimes, you know, we accommodate a guest. So check us out. It's usually on a Thursday or a Friday, live at 8 p.m. We do, we're live on Facebook, we're live on Twitter, and we are live on YouTube. After we do the live, usually the next day, the recorded version of the podcast will be released. You can find it on all platforms that you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We're on there. Um, you know, and, you know, we want everybody to check out our website. You can go to www.sportsandmetal.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Sports and Metal. Uh, so check us out. I hope I didn't forget anything. Well, and, and you can find Aaron Savage. It, well, his, that's obviously a stage name, and Jason Voorhees is my stage name. But you can find Aaron Golub on Facebook, or you can find Aaron Savage on Twitter. And yep, Aaron find, Savage seventy six. That's my Twitter handle. Yeah, and then I am J- I am Jason Voorhees on Facebook, and then you can find me at Mustang thirty six fifty one on Twitter. So Obviously, awesome. Dave Mustaine is my all time favorite. So I used him as my handle. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you guys one favor when uh, the week when you guys go about doing your show, can you just post the the link on the Rock and Roll Union page? Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, like, I'm gonna. So yeah, we got to go live. Just post it on our page. Oh okay, yeah, we could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to thank you again for having us on. It's been great. Yeah, and we're God, we're gonna have you man. on too. I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. man. Yeah, we're so, gonna have you on in in in, in a couple weeks. So. Yeah, we'd love to have you on the show, man. Absolutely. Oh, it'll be a blast, man. It's been a blast this evening. Thank you guys for being with us. Hey, thanks for having us. Take care. Have a great rest of your Rock night. On. See you guys. You Rock on, man. Peace out. So make sure that you guys check out Sports and Metal. That's Sports, the letter N, Metal. Like I said, they're going to be posting their uh, their live links on the Rock and Roll Union page now, so you'll be able to connect from there. But go check them out. Otherwise, uh, we have a great show for you next week, looking ahead at the calendar. And we will have promoter, East Coast promoter, Christina, Christine Avila, I'm stuttering all over the place, Christina Villa will be with us, as well as our boy Damian Monte Carlo promoting his band, Monte Carlo. So until next time, guys, have a great week and do what you can to bring back rock and roll.